Come on, come on, come on, come on, not touch Put your, pay your dues. Put your dues <laughs> on your jacket and sew your name patch in your dues. It's time for the 27 Club. It's, uh, God, I'm talking like we've been recording for like hours on end and it really hasn't been that long today. <laughs> We're just doing a twofer, which is not that rare for us, actually. We do these pretty no, often, so. it's pretty common. I don't know why it's throwing me off so much. Hey, you're dude. It's the 27 Club. Welcome to the show. That's all I got. It's I'm Pete. PJ. <laughs> oh, here. man. We even fucked that up, did it at the same yeah, time. Yeah, that's all right. Now nobody Welcome. will know who's who. Yeah. Welcome to the show. We're, uh, we're in the continuing story of Janis Joplin. The Pearl. The Pearl herself. Yeah, we'll get to that, uh, I assume, when we get to the album named it, but I'm... Like, it was apparently a nickname of hers, but who the fuck ever called her that? Weird. I don't know. Maybe Like, was it like, like when yeah. people called Madonna the material girl? Or was it like a weird, like, other name for her where, like, friends of hers would just call her Pearl? You know what I mean? Like, or was it a weird nickname? Yeah, like, the Pearl. So odd. That's good. I brought it up as a joke, but you make a good point. Um, <laughs> who knows? Like, There's no way to know. No, I mean... Like, let's say I started going by Paul, right? Well, but Very that's not close really... to Pearl. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> the but male not... version. You know, back in the olden days when, you know, names were very genderized, the male version of Pearl was Paul. Of course. They just took, a, they just took an R out. Like, I guess that doesn't really work because my nickname is not a noun. I mean, it kind of is like pajamas, but oh, people I don't know. Tell you that? Why do they um, call you that, PJ? Why do they call me pajamas? Yeah, I feel like I just answered my own question because I just I, got it saying that sentence, but explain to the listener. I've never really understood it. Oh, if okay, I'm being yeah, it's hard to know. I'm going to go put my pajamas on. Hmm, my pajamas on. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't it know. seems... So, PJ, there's to move on from this... There's a lot of movement in your window, man. What's going on out there? Is there? Can you see it now? Yeah, I can see. I just see a lot of feet moving around, like, in the crack below where your blinds are. There's hoodlums on my front yard. What? Hoodlums? Yeah. Uh-oh. Are they Seemingly, trying to loot your loot your guitar stash? I am afraid of that, because I do. you can see my guitars through my window, yeah. and I have quite a few of them. Um, yeah. I don't think they're trying to take them. But I don't know what the fuck they've been in like in my front yard all morning. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Which and they've been like at certain points blasting music. Um, <laughs> oh wait, you can't hear it right now. But they're blasting really shitty like trap music, which is uh, pretty okay. funny all in all. Yeah. Um, they don't know that I'm a successful trap artist. Um, no, so you're you're actually secretly judging them. You're also like texting yeah. your agent, like don't sign these guys. You know, exactly. that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> this these guys will never amount to anything. <laughs> yeah, my, you know, Uncle PJ gets around. That's all I gotta say. That's true. The he's the titular I. In I get around. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Oh, uh, so PJ, I just sent you a photo or a link to a, a web page for possibly the greatest guitar I've ever seen. So we all wow. know the double neck guitar. Wow. We all know the Jimmy Page's double neck guitar. And generally, when those have been made from his to anybody else's, <laughs> I, don't, I can't think of a second 
person who's played that. But um, the guy from the Cheap necks, Tricks. He plays okay, a five-neck yes, guitar. That's right. But they put them above each other so that you're yes. standing there holding the guitar and then you just move your arm they're above pa- and below. parallel to one exactly. another. Yes, they're parallel. The I found, I found this guitar... That is, a, it's a double-sided guitar, basically. It's like a guitar that's just like one and a half times as thick. It's an acoustic guitar. Yeah. It's about one and a half times as thick as a regular acoustic guitar. One side has a 12-string neck, and then you literally flip the whole thing over, and on the back side, there's a six-string neck. And I got to say, I'm fucking into it. <laughs> I kind of want this guitar. It's only it's, $400 from Walmart. <laughs> yeah, it's on walmart.com, which is hilarious. And, and then it's $385 the, for two guitars. <laughs> and in on the inlay in one of them, it says B-U-S-U-Y-I. That's apparently the brand name, which is not a brand name famous enough for it to be inlaid on the No, nor have I ever seen... The brand no. name inlaid into a neck. You see I mean, names hell, a lot. It could be here in 12 days if I ordered it right now. Free shipping, free returns. This is Man. incredible. I, have I want never you to have seen this guitar so in my life. Repeat. Yeah, it's so crazy. What a dumb way to do it. What's interesting is that the the product details keep talking about it being a bass guitar, but it's like, is it a six string bass and then a 12 string bass? That doesn't, yeah, doesn't make any sense. A 12 or is it a 12 string guitar much. with a six string bass on the back? But it just looks like a six string guitar from the photos. Yeah, it's a, it, yeah, it looks like a 12 and a six. Wow, and it's an acoustic electric. You can plug it in. This is incredible. Uh-huh. Oh, Jesus Christ. I bet that would sound awful because you would get it all It says number the... of strings 10. That's not correct in... In any way, shape, any, or form. Unless it was a bass and a six-string. Also, okay, this there's a lot wrong here. The product details say that it's a six-string acoustic guitar plus a six-string classical guitar, but the photos clearly show a six-string acoustic guitar and a six or twelve-string acoustic guitar. Yeah. What they the are, fuck is going on here, Busuyi? I don't. They're both even... in a dreadnought with a cutout style, mm-hmm. so classical yeah, is not what I would call. What a, it makes any sense. Wow. God, it's just, it's almost disturbing. But just so people know, uh, if you Google apparently with my, I don't know how this, I assume yeah. it has to do with how my algorithm. But if you Google acoustic bass <laughs> in the ads, so someone has paid, you know, Basuyi has paid for this to show up in the ads. It's like the third option on my Google search. For acoustic are, bass is a combo six string, twelve string guitar. What were you looking up an acoustic bass for, Pete? Well, PJ, uh, the listener will get to get a little peek uh, at our pre-show convo, but we we're we we're talking about some friends who play instruments, and I made a joke, uh, a, a real joke about me offering to uh, offering my services as a very competently average bass player uh, as as a member of this non-existent band and so for some reason that was enough of a conversation for me to be like huh maybe i should get a bass and then i was like i'm not gonna buy a whole amp so i'll just get an acoustic bass and that is the the third option on acoustic bass on google shopping (laughs) so i think it's funny that you want to get into the bass but not enough to buy an amp i mean we all know this band's never gonna happen so we all live (laughs) very far from each other the best thing to do is get um some sort of you have a computer 
uh, I, I assume. Um, That's how I'm recording the show right now. Right. And that was my assumption. I just didn't want to, you know, jump to any conclusions. Um, but get some sort of interface where you can plug something into your computer if you don't want to buy an amp and then oh, just plug your base in your computer and put headphones on. Yeah. I kind of forgot that that was a thing that existed, but you're totally right that, yeah, that, that would work. Yeah. So how fun were, um, you know, so there's already the traveling Wilburys and the female traveling Wilburys. Of course. Of course. Um, we're going to start the new traveling Wilburys, uh, with us with with us and our our friends and uh the we're new gonna, male traveling wilburys yeah the idea is that you know the old traveling wilburys were a bunch of famous people teaming up for the first time and it was kind of this like singer songwriter super group um and the new traveling wilburys the idea is it's people you've never heard of and they won't be famous at all uh but it's but they're still gonna team up <laughs> In a super yeah. group of sorts. A and super if you group do know who they are, you players. know them from podcasts. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's going to be great. I think so. And it'll so. all be remote because none of us live in the same place. Not a single one of the people we talk yeah. about. Hey, speaking of the Traveling Wilburys and speaking of another show that we talked about somewhat recently, um, uh, Adam Scott um, is a famous actor, uh, not very famous podcaster. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, told a story on a podcast somewhat recently uh, involving the traveling Wilburys that's very funny, which is like he, I forget what, he was on some TV show. Oh, he was on Big Little Lies, which we have talked about on the show. We it's have. A, it's a Elvis great show and Adam Scott's great. Yes. And his Elvis impression was oh, so good. Um, He apparently was going on some late night show, Conan or Jimmy Fallon or some shit like that. And he said he prepared as like his thing to talk about when he was promoting the show, he was going to do like a funny thing where he said, so here's the traveling Wilburys. And then here's like, which of Meryl Streep, Nicole Kidman, Shailene Woodley, like here's which traveling Wilbury they all are, you know? Yeah. Um, as like a funny <laughs> joke. So that is a good, So bit. he told this whole story that like, so he was going to go on the show. He got like bumped for time. He was the second guest and like something happened or, you know, yeah. So they told him, sorry, but like, are you still in town? Can you come back like two days later? So he said, okay, fine. But he had already rehearsed the bit like with the producer of the show. You know, they'd okayed it. It had all, you know, everything. They had everything ready, their little images to mm -hmm. pop up on the screen and everything like. So he comes back. They're like, okay, do you still want to do this thing? Yes. Okay. Well, we have to reset it up because like, you know, whatever. So they, they go through all that work again. I forget, honestly, if it was the second time or the third time, but like, he might get bumped again. So now it's like, he just feels, it just seems ridiculous where it's like, do I even, should I even come on the show? But like, they finally get him on the show and he finally does the bit, which like to him and the host, they had already done like four times at this point. So right. it's like not even funny to them anymore. Um, and they do the whole thing. And he said, it was just dead fucking silent. And he was like, as I was doing it in the middle, he's like, I realized looking at the crowd, nobody fucking knows who the Traveling Wilburys are anymore. Like, they were famous for, like, three years in the late 80s. Yeah. And they're just, just no one cares or knows anymore what, <laughs> what I'm even talking about. And Big Little Lies is already, like, a little bit of a niche show. And so it was just like, this is, yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. That so, is very funny. That reminds cracked me Cracked me up oh. and also just cracked me up, too, because I think he told that story. Like, I listened to that podcast he was on, like, after we'd been talking about them a lot. And I'm like, how fucking weird that... I've literally never even heard their albums. I just know of them as, like, a funny yeah. thing. And 
a, f- a crazy thing that happened like in music history. <laughs> that reminds. Oh, I I love the Traveling Wilburys. I've seen. I owned. The- I owned both their albums on cassette tape. Wow. Back when I collected cassettes for like a very very hipster year there, but I uh, I don't think I ever listened to them. So I got in the Beatles really really early on in my life. So like second yeah. third grade. So by like and fourth then, grade, you were already like, I need to get to their latter era exactly, side projects. Exactly. I got to well, get to I, Ebony and Ivory, the Traveling Wilburys. <laughs> John um, Lennon introducing the Rolling Stones at that festival. Uh, photograph. <laughs> yes. Um, so Ringo Starr's all-star band. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so in like fifth and sixth grade, I started to get into Bob Dylan and Tom Petty quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And then I think my sister was like, "Oh, do you know that they had a band yeah. together?" And you I was realize, like, "Bob Dylan yeah, and Tom Petty? That's yeah. cool." She's like, "Also George Harrison and the guy from yeah. Yellow yeah. and Roy Orbison." And I was like, "That sounds awesome. Are you fucking yeah. with me?" She's like, "No." And then she had on her iTunes the documentary that they made, like at the oh, time yeah. about the Trevor Wilburys. So it was one of two movies I had on my like little tiny iPod <laughs> Nano. Yeah. I had nice. this Trevor Wilburys documentary and um, the Adam Sandler vehicle, uh, The mm. Longest Yard. Um, yes. And so I would watch those two things over and over again because it was like mm-hmm. the only media I had at that point. So, and then I got really into the albums, obviously. Yeah. Um, and so I'd like know a weird amount about the Traveling Wilburys because I've seen the documentary awesome. so many goddamn times. Yeah. Um, but that that Adam Scott story reminds me of. Actually, did you hear that motorcycle? Yeah. Um, so. That's cool again. Now they're just doing motorcycle donuts out front. They're doing motorcycle. Tra- Some guy just. Oh my god! I just saw a guy go by. He was standing on the seat with like a leg in the air. <laughs> the the movie Warriors is going on outside. <laughs> yeah. I think. Someone's jo- they're setting up a joust right now with two guys yeah. on motorcycles. <laughs> And a couple of pool noodles. <laughs> um, Speaking of the movies on your iPod Nano, though, and this is like pre-iPod Touch, or at least before it was common to have iPod Touches, you know? Like, yeah. a lot of people styled the Nano. I also only ever had, like, one or two movies on there, and I'm, I'm wondering, I'm like, did people actually have movie collections, or was everyone just, like, they bought one movie when they got it because they thought it was so cool they could watch a movie? Yeah. And then never did it again because it was... A terrible experience what because i had star wars like the clone war the the cartoon movie the clone wars on there yeah huh and then i think i rented a movie of all things once wow i was like traveling as like a high schooler by myself for like the first time or something i was like flying by myself and i like rented an, an itunes movie to watch on my freaking ipod nano wow i had a friend who he didn't have a movie collection per se yeah. Um, but he did have quite the pornography collection on his iPod. Oh, nice. That's uh, I don't, interesting. I don't know how he figured out how to do it. Yeah, how do you get um, that on there? That's interesting. I don't know. I think he must yeah. have like uploaded it as like a personal video because it was on an oh, iPod sure. Classic. Um, wow. But it was like what, after the classics could play movies. Right. You know? The latter. So yeah, I, yeah. So I think he must have uploaded, all, like changed the file format and uploaded it as like. Yeah. A video. I remember him watching it when we were at Pep Band, and I was oh, like, at "There's school. literally a basketball cool. game happening right now. Yeah. Why are you How fun playing pornography? You should be playing the trombone, dude." Like, 
Yeah. Uh, weird, yeah. Weird kid. That's wild. I said friend. I don't think he was a friend though. I that was a not yeah. a term I want to let's, use. Yeah, let's let's back away from that. Yeah. The show has nothing to do with this person. No, no. no. Well, it, I PJ, mean it was Peter, yeah. but <laughs> Hey, I never touched a trombone. Um, <laughs> neither did this guy, it sounds like. He just pretended yeah. to play it. Yeah. That's pretty fucking nuts. I'm like, I don't Yeah, I mean I, I truly would never. <laughs> like, no. I like that does feel like a thing you would do in high school that you like you think you're being funny and you don't realize how inappropriate it actually is you know like you get that it's inappropriate but you don't realize it's that inappropriate that it's yeah like a crime Um, yeah exactly yeah yeah Yeah, I mean similarly but not similarly in like Spanish we like at some point in Spanish class I took like three years of it in high school and was like one of the one Spanish teacher I had was like probably the teacher I was like the most friends with in high school as much as you are as a high schooler. Um, she was, it was one of those where like she, both my other siblings took Spanish. And so she like knew our family and stuff and was like, you know, we would all take Spanish from her and she was, she like liked all the siblings and stuff. So, okay. But at like some point I learned some Spanish curse words of course, and was like, Oh, how funny and cool that I know Spanish curse words. And she was like, yeah, I know I get it. But also like, don't use them in class, but like, yes, it's funny to learn Spanish. You know, like I get it. You're a high school boy. (laughs) Yeah. But don't say them in class. So like for some reason after class or after school one day, I was like hanging out in her room, like waiting to like talk to her for help on something. And there were like some other people hanging around and I, and like whoever I was with thought it'd be really funny since we knew these curse words where we're like, let's just write them on the board. Like idiots, like fucking, you know, sophomores in high school would think was funny. So we like wrote them on the board and then her and then this other kid who he had done apparently like he was a senior. So he had already done like a class trip abroad and was like, so like one of the words apparently was like a worse word than I knew, like the equivalent of like the C word, you know, in, in America kind of thing Buta. where it's like, it's just a bad word, but yeah. like it's that specific word is like a worse one that you don't actually say kind of thing. Right. But I had somehow learned it. And so Senora Nation was like, what are you doing? Erase those. And he turned around like a peer, basically, but turned around and was like, wow, or something. Just because it was like an actual like, yeah, again, like writing down. Yeah, a very bad word. But I was just like, oh, I thought it was just shit or something. And they were like, no, no, it's not. And I was like, "Okay, sorry. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, Yeah, there's some things in high school you don't realize are... Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like you just, you don't get it. You don't have the world wiseness to like realize that. Yeah. That's yeah. really fucking stupid. I mean, the, the, the porn thing is like, it was a kid who always tried to be like funny and like edgy and like cool, right. but then yeah. everybody else just thought he was weird. Um, right. That's probably how that Spanish thing played out for everyone else involved. They were like, what an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I thought I was. See, pushing the envelope but at the very least it's not pornography in your high school auditorium while True. a basketball game different. is happening yeah you know um so yeah, exactly um yeah i mean the worst thing i think i ever did was a teacher like jokingly tossed a marker at me mm-hmm. and then i like he like said something and i like tossed it back a little too hard Ooh, yeah, yeah and i aimed so poorly because i was 15 and it hit him in the face and he got so <laughs> mad 
And I was like, I'm really sorry. And he was just like, you don't throw markers at people's faces. I had to send you to the principal's office. And I was like, yeah. I'm sorry, dude. And, and then like, I think I'm he... just a bad aim. I really yeah. am. <laughs> yeah. And then I think he realized like yeah. he got way too heat. He was one of the right. like math teachers that was also a football coach. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I think he realized that he was like got way too heated and overreacted. And all the class was like, damn, what the fuck? Like, right. Um, yeah. But that was the one thing where I was like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have thrown that back at him. But right. I think he also overreacted. But it was a time where I was oh, like, sure. I got to fucking watch myself. Right. Yeah, yeah. There was uh, another time yeah, God. in um, some science class. I don't remember which one. We were going outside to go pick up leaves to like l- like take the chloroplast out of or something. Mm, something mm-hmm. stupid. And my car didn't have a window on it. And there was a bunch of leaves in the back of it because it was autumn. Yeah. And uh, I said, hey, um, I have a bunch of leaves in my car. Can I just use those? Just as a joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not thinking anything of it. And he said, um, no, I'm pretty sure that's illegal. And then I was thinking about <laughs> his joke for- trying to figure out what was going on. Yeah, yeah. For about two minutes, I was like, that's illegal. What? <laughs> and then somebody was like, or somebody was like do you really have pot leaves in your I was like, oh, no, dude, that's not what I meant. Uh, and then I, like, as we walked uh, outside so to go to the funny. park, I was yeah. like, I, I went up to him. I was like, I didn't mean potly. I just, like, and I explained to him, my, like, the back of my car didn't have a window. And he was like, oh, I thought it was a very strange joke to make, and I was going to talk to you about it. I was like, I, no, I swear to God, I did not mean anything <laughs> by it. That's uh, wild. That's really funny. Yeah. Man. Goddamn, man. I do not miss any of that. No. Any of it. <laughs> high school sucked high school was awful parts of college like i took during the pandemic um when i lived in foggy old san francisco town i um they have their if you're a city resident you can take like free classes at the city community college yeah so i took one of the classes during the pandemic you know over the internet just as like a fun thing to do and oh my god taking a class where everyone's just a grown-ass adult yeah. is so nice compared to taking like a regular college class. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in college you get some of those where there's some non-traditional students, but like since this was like the free city community college thing, it was like 90% people like 30 and up and then like a couple people in their 20s and then like two people who are actually taking community college classes to like go to regular yeah. college later kind of thing, like two 19-year-olds. Um, and it was there, so refreshing to just be around a bunch of people who are like, yeah, we're we're here there, for like way different reasons. <laughs> yeah. Always somebody like thirty percent of college kids still act like they're in high school. Yeah, well, yeah, because um, they basically are. Like, I, yeah, they, I, they, they I don't think I matured at all till maybe my senior year. Like, that's when I kind of started to be adult-ish. You know what See, I mean? See, but like, you weren't like one of those kids who like. We took classes together. Yeah, you weren't. You would never like talk, spoke out, or were like a know-it-all or anything True. in a class. But there are always those kids who are like always the only one talking, raising their mm-hmm. hand, and then yes. like <laughs> having really stupid opinions about something, and yeah. then like being incredibly argumentative with the professor. And the professor's yes. just like, "I would just like to fucking move on from this dog." Yes. Like, um, right? There, then that's like thirty percent of people in college, like who are yeah. college age. 
And I'm yeah, just so I know glad a lot I was of college having to like prove to your professor and or the class that you actually know what you're talking about when it's like you don't though. Like the, you don't need to yeah. have already known the information we're being taught. You can just learn it right now with the rest of us. There was this one so kid who we were taking a history of Latin America class. Mm-hmm. Um and he said Che Guevara was one of his heroes. So I already okay. knew he was a douche. Um and he he would, you know, interrupt in the middle of stuff all the time and then right. he called um latin american the latin american spanish language a bastardized version of spanish and we were all like shut the fuck up guy are you from a latin american country because otherwise no shut up. no <laughs> yeah. he was a white guy he, who yeah, had yeah. been to spain oh that was it that was his whole thing so he has he a weird like, colonialist view but loves che guevara this is confusing this yeah. whole guy's thing it doesn't make any sense he was like, and Paul was in this class with me. We both mm-hmm. every day would talk about how much like we're not bullies, but we would love to kick that nerd's ass. Yeah, that That's gets fun. soaked. Yeah. Anyway, well, speaking of '60s icons, <laughs> Janis Joplin. <laughs> A seamless segue. And now, yeah, back to Janis Joplin. So, Cheap Thrills was a rocket to the stratosphere. For Big Brother and the Holding Company. Well, no, it was Janice Joplin and yeah. Big Brother and the Holding Company. Actually, no, sorry. It was just for Janice Joplin. Right, right, right. Okay. So after the album, the group got a lot of attention, which was good. Great. Uh, but almost all of it, like critically and in reviews of shows and stuff, focused on how Janice was incredible and how lousy the band was. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, not so good. Uh, she apparently admitted in interviews that they sucked basically but like but they're my family so we're gonna keep being a band together um yeah reviewers weren't into their sloppiness when they played live like a lot of you know she would come through town and you know the local newspaper would review the show and it would they wouldn't be impressed by the band and how laid back and sloppy they were compared to the obvious like Mm -hmm. incredibleness of of janice's voice and her um potential so their manager at this time so after they signed with columbia they signed with albert grossman who was bob dylan's manager during this time period at least um so he would get deals for janice all the time like huge deals up to like a quarter of a million dollars but it was just for her so he kept telling her like hey if you ever want to everyone and dump these guys wow uh we've got deals in the wings everyone wants to sign you but only you kind of thing so the writing was kind of on the wall during 1968 the rest of 68 here that if she wanted to do her thing of being uh you know world famous singer rather than the world famous singer of this band she would yeah have to leave can you think of any other band like this where it's like one particular person stands out more than the rest. I mean, I think it used to happen a lot more. Like I, back in, back in the olden days, I feel like there was a lot more of bands where then someone would leave the band and be more famous by themselves, but it definitely doesn't seem to happen as much anymore. Like a Sam Smith type didn't start out as like the member of some band and then went solo. Maybe, I mean, yeah. 
Matchbox 20 were huge. Rob Thomas had a pretty big solo career, but he was definitely not more famous than the band, I wouldn't say. No, he was I mean, as I think famous maybe if you Matchbox think of Rob 20. Thomas, you still think of him as the lead singer right. of Matchbox 20. Even though he had like solo hits, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, from the same time period, like Cass Elliot had a big solo career, but I again, I don't think she was more famous than Mamas and the Papas. Like right. that was probably pretty equal. Yeah, I don't know. That's rare. Don Henley, I mean, Don Henley and like Glenn, no. Glenn Fry. Had some huge solo hits, but again, not more famous than the Eagles. No, and yeah, same like, with Joe Walsh. Like they all had big solo stuff, but nothing, nothing more well, popular. And like Janis Joplin is the only one where a lot of people don't know she was in a band. You know, yeah, um, that's kind of true. Because like everybody, else, like if you know Glenn Frey, you know he was in the Eagles. You know, yeah, and even like even frontmen who are like oh here's famous a good in their own one. right. But go well, ahead. So even yeah. frontmen who are like famous in their own right, like like a Jim Morrison, yeah. The whole sound, like the sound of the doors, comes a lot from Rayman Zarek playing organ and stuff. So it's not like yeah. he ever overshadowed the doors. You know, he was a part of the doors. You know. Yeah. Um. So here is here's a couple of good ones. So here's a really good recent one is Beyonce. For sure, because oh, she was they. Yeah. Destiny's Child had like two or three, and they were famous. Like they were very famous at the time, but she is obviously yeah. way more famous than they ever were. Right. And you could totally only know about Beyonce as a solo artist. That's true. Okay, um, that's a good. That's one. a really that's good. Great. Yeah, I think that's a really good one. Um, the rest, I just googled and found a little list, and like the rest of them are all ones that are. It's kind of the thing where they're as famous by themselves. Like Gwen Stefani, I think is as famous as No Doubt was probably. Yeah. If not Harry less. Styles as famous as No Direction, I would say, you know, like One Direction, yeah. Uh yeah, No Direction. <laughs> <laughs> Justin Timberlake got bigger, but I it's kind of a similar thing to Beyonce, but I he's not still that famous whereas Beyonce no. is like been on well, top and of he's the canceled world. canceled now, so. Yeah, the entire time, so. Oh, here's some rock singers who went solo. Rod Stewart Oh, okay. That one might be Yes. I think yeah. he definitely He's became way more, more famous. Than but he faces. also was a little bit like a musician for hire. Like I don't think even though he was in some famous bands, I don't think of him as being I mean he like the faces yeah. aren't that famous, you know, I don't know. But they, I think that's they, a they had a one. different singer too, so like Yeah. Right. I don't know. That is interesting because I think Ron Wood was in faces. Um, there's a so, lot here that are just like, they started in a band, but their band was never famous, you know? So I don't think that counts. <laughs> I would agree that that does not count. Like apparently Selena Gomez was in a band and they, they won like a teen choice award in like 2008, you know, her band. Yeah. But then like they pretty much immediately broke up and she just got really famous, which I guess is a little bit the Janis Joplin thing. She just died so quickly kind of after the band breaks up, but like pink was in a band in high school but it's like yeah but she wasn't pink then that wasn't it's not like they right. plucked her from that band to become i guess lionel richie's a decent one because he was in the commodores lionel richie's a good one too but was he i feel like the commodores they're famous also but feels not like he was like a singer for hire like he was just there for a few years in like the middle yeah. of their run yeah so, kind of like a temptations kind of situation where it's like yeah. they would change every so often Oh, Dr. Dre. That's interesting. Because um, he started with NWA. But he only really had like two solo albums, even though he's much more famous as a well, producer well, now. But 
And what was the last album you made? The Chronic? Right, exactly. But he, as a producer, I guess he got, but anyway. So that's interesting. But you're right, that Janis Joplin is one of the few, I guess we, yeah, we can it, say. It's not common. I think the only that's like true. really great one that you said was Beyonce. I think that I think that's accurate. a pretty perfect, yeah, yeah, comparison. So pretty much right after the album comes out, by mid-September, the album comes out in August, Janice announces she's leaving the band publicly. Um mm-hmm. And they still play, like, they still have a bunch of shows booked, so their last official show together is in December of that year. Um, And then by, like, the third week of December or so, uh, she starts playing shows with her new band, Cosmic Blues Band, Ah. of which she is the lead singer. And uh, basically... Was she on on drugs when she came up with that name? (laughs) Well, it's spelled with a K, so yes. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um... And basically, I mean, her album is just credited to her, so it's more of that unofficial kind of backing band name thing. But, right. Um, she did take one person, Sam Andrews, from Big Brother, grabbed a coattail, wow. and okay. <laughs> went out the door with her. Good um, for him. Becomes the guitar player for Cosmic Blues Band. And yeah, I mean, we were talking about on the last episode that we were pretty impressed by his guitar playing. Yeah. I'm I'm impressed with his guitar playing on this album, too. We'll, Absolutely. We'll get to it, but he... He, I think, deserved to go on. And he wrote some of their songs that were pretty solid. So so they first, yeah, they performed for the first time kind of at the end of December there. So what, they basically got a new drummer and a new bassist and called it good? So, no. I mean, so she auditioned. She wanted to, her goal, apparently, uh, was to kind of go the soul singer route. So she wanted her band to emulate the stacks house band kind of sound right that's what she wanted to kind of do the otis redding type yeah sound of of r&b soul so she got they had um she mostly recruited session people and i don't know exactly what their touring lineup was but on like the album there's a lot of people credited because they just have a lot of studio musicians but drum bass guitar and then some horns some saxophone and a couple keyboard players okay so um yeah, so they form that, you know, they want, she wants a horn section, a solid, like, professional kind of rhythm section, and then, yeah, the keyboard and guitar to, to noodle around there. Um, what's interesting is that even though it's just a ton of studio musicians on the record, I mean, and in the touring band, and we've talked a lot about studio musicians in our last few shows, but I did not recognize any of the names, so I was kind of expecting, you know, a Nicky Hopkins or someone maybe to show up, but it doesn't look like it, so. Okay. It's interesting. I guess before we we fully just move on, um, let's give a little RIP to Big Brother. So what happens to Big Brother and the holding company after I Janice gotta Joplin know, disappears? I gotta know. I know. So basically they split up. Um, so pretty immediate because Sam leaves. So they're out their guitar player and like de facto lead singer without Janice. He was the lead singer yeah. before. Um, so a couple of the guys end up they catch on uh or start touring with country joe and the fish for a little bit cool um and just kind of break up through the rest of the year later in 1969 they got the band back together and auditioned some new players so they got a new guitar player a new singer nick grave knights uh and another new singer kathy mcdonald to kind of round out the band um when they did those auditions no one else but 
Eddie Money audition to be a singer oh. in Big Brother and the Holding Company. Fuck yeah, dude. And I guess, I don't know if the world is better off or worse off that he didn't get the gig, but either oh, way. Oh, God. I, need, I think I need that in my life for real bad. So, um, so if we want, their first album after Janice left, I think came out in 1970. Um, we could listen to a song off that just to kind of see what's going on with, with post-Janice Big Brother. Yeah, let's do. Uh, let's go. Keep on. I it didn't. I don't think they had a single off this record. It it didn't chart. It didn't do that well. I don't believe anyone released a single for it. But um, keep on seemed to be kind of I don't know one of the more the more catchy tunes on there when I went through it. This um, this is really good. Yeah. <laughs> I really like this guitar line and the bass and everything. Yeah. Like, this is some really nice grooving, kind of almost like credency a little bit with like the chimey guitar in the back and stuff. So they seem to kind of lean into the thing that they did occasionally with Janice, where it's just a lot of group vocals or like yeah. one person kind of singing lead and a lot of backup vocals. Yeah. Maybe they kind of realized they couldn't, you know, recreate the Janis Joplin thing, so they focused more on the whole band kind of singing. Right. Yeah, I mean, this song's solid. It's honestly, it sounds like a little bit better. I think it's just better recorded than any of the albums we've heard from them so far. It's really yeah, nice sure. sounding. But aside from that, it, this could be any song we've heard from them so far. Like, it just, it sounds the same. Yeah. Like, absolutely, this could be a song with Janis Joplin singing. <laughs> yeah. But it's good. Yeah, it's a pretty good song. And then they, I think they go through a few different lineups and, you know, stay together for a while, but they're, they're never that great. There's a, I found a very funny interview from like the San Francisco Mercury or something, one of the independent newspapers up there from a few years ago where Big Brother played a show and they interview like, I forget which guy, but they interview one of the guys. And right. they're so cucked by Janis Joplin. It's hilarious. <laughs> they're like, I mean, yeah, Janis is great, but like people don't really give us enough credit for getting her a start. Like we were the big established band and we brought her out from Texas and got eyes on her. And then she kind of left us in the cold and stuff. Like they're still a little bit raw about it. Wow. Yeah. It's Damn. really funny. Yeah. So, yeah. Huh. Big brother. So, and you know what? RIP. They're done. <laughs> yeah, they're... Oh, wow. Janice, yeah, Janice is putting her foot on their balls as we speak. Yeah, and, it sounds uh, like it, man. Stepping on up to her uh, her solo debut. Huh, that is crazy. Yeah. So, so she starts touring with the Cosmic Blues Band and pretty quickly starts recording for their next album. Um, so... They start, yeah, they start recording what this would have been in 1969, like I think in spring of 69. Um, so having nice. all the studio musicians definitely worked somewhat to her advantage. Like I think when we get to the track by track, like the songs are definitely tighter. Everything's more polished. The musicianship is better. Reviewers at the time, though, went the other way after the album came out and were like, this band is too tight. There's no looseness. There's no like groove or like funk or like, it doesn't sound like anyone's like, it sounds like a bunch of robots playing kind of thing. 
Yeah. So she could not win, apparently, because they were like, your band sucks. She gets better musicians. And like, your band's too good now. Wow. So we will, a little later on, I want to read some sections from the Rolling Stone review at the time that, yeah. So anyway. Um, the, yeah. So by the time they start recording, so the producer is Gabriel Meckler. He's also, I think, playing keyboards with the band. Okay. Um, and friends with Janice. So by the time they start recording, Janice is back riding the white horse. Uh, supposedly spending somewhere around $200 a day on heroin. Is that a oh, lot? Oh, heroin. Heroin. Yeah. I thought you meant pixie sticks. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah that's right. Is $200 a day a lot? I don't know. Is that a lot in 1969? I don't know. Is that a lot to spend on heroin now? I have no fucking clue how much heroin costs. $1,500 in today's money, give or take? I'll get my inflation calculator. But like how much does heroin cost? Is that like a one spoonful that you're going to melt down? Is that like, I literally don't know. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I guess That was a very funny thing to read to me because I'm just like that. I have zero context for that. Was that an average amount to be spending on heroin? <laughs> How much? Oh, I was almost dead on. 1532. Nice. Good uh, job. But like, f- you have to I imagine. mean, that's definitely a lot, but. But I just, don't know how expensive. Yeah, I don't know the yeah, price of heroin. We have, we have no context for this. So. Price of heroin in 1969. It's about six spoonfuls. No, I don't that know. That seems like a lot. Google it. I mean, two hundred, yeah, fifteen hundred dollars worth of heroin. Um, I bet you could get a decent brick for that. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, no, absolutely no clue. But I'm gonna. I mean, assuming that whoever wrote the Wikipedia page, I mean, they they put it in there, so it's like uh, the assumption is it's a lot, even if we have no idea how much it is. So. Yeah, that's. I think that, and I think that's fair. Anyway, so. Gabriel, though, Gabriel Meckler tries to get her to at least slow down. So he has her, while they're recording, he has her move in with him to try and get her to, like, slow down on the, uh, the old on H. the drug use. Yeah. yeah. Um, they do, in, in the middle of recording all this, in the summer of 69, they are booked for Woodstock. Um, and they play Woodstock apparently Janice was both very nervous and very high during their performance and thought it was so bad she refused to allow their set to be included in the movie or the album for Woodstock so yeah yeah huh yeah um so I mean not to get too um you know, cynical about it, but a little bit of foreshadowing. <laughs> right. Because we know, yeah, we know she had problems with drugs before and uh, she is back back in them again. So, um, you hate to see yeah. it. So, Cosmic Blues Band, here's the, uh, we've talked a little bit on the show about Rolling Stone from the 1960s and early 70s, but. Yeah, bunch of assholes. It, yeah, if you're if you're a younger person who doesn't look up historical Rolling Stone reviews on online, um, you can also just refer back to Pitchfork in like the late '90s through like maybe 2008, 2010 is maybe yeah. when they started getting softer. But just a bunch of people who, when you read their reviews, you go you you start questioning your own taste, which is really not what a review should do. 
No. <laughs> like, it shouldn't make you feel like you're an idiot for liking something, but that is exactly what Pitchfork and Rolling Stone yeah. did in their early days. That's, yeah, that's a very apt description, I would say, <laughs> where you're like, am yeah. I? Yeah. You're like, wait, idiot? I love yeah. this album, and they hated it, but yeah, anyway. So, this is the first paragraph. This is by John Burks, which is not a name I've run across before, but for old Rolling Stone, not one of their famous people, I guess, but... Janice herself has never sounded better on record, but it took me four full listens to the LP before I could hear her. That's how bad her band is. When and if you get a hold of this record, my suggestion is that you listen really hard to how awful the backup is. Everything from the arrangements to the level of musicianship. God damn. Those sons of bitches can't do anything really right. The only answer is to get super familiar with what they're doing so you can ignore it. And then dig Janice. What an asshole. I know, right? And he... <laughs> Just by the way, that is the nicest thing he says about the band. He goes on to get so much more mean. He calls them, let's see, where did this one quote go? He calls them a bunch of unfunky cats trying to play funk. (laughs) Wow. Is a very funny 1960s thing to say about somebody. Um, Their saxophone player, who by the way was named Snooky Flowers. Cool. (laughs) The original Snooky. Yeah. <laughs> um he calls him the worst baritone saxophone player I've ever heard, discounting only a handful of amateur performers at jam sessions in people's garages. Jesus Christ. He I know, like brutal. this studio session guy, he just is ripping apart. It is just wild and ridiculous. Yeah. It's what a really dickhead. funny how mean he is. Yeah. I mean it's not it's kind of funny, but um i mean it's always kind of funny when somebody's mean but you know yeah exactly so basically the thrust of the as you got from the first paragraph the thrust of the review is this band is so miserable it almost ruins the record but janice is so transcendent that it makes it worth listening to yeah um and we'll get to when we get to the track by track in a minute i think our opinions on it but just very interesting that at that time uh you know that kind of ended up being the the kind of the consensus which again like right after she ditched her band that everyone gave her shit for being too bad like being bad for so yeah damn yeah that is yeah that's a rough life um bad reviews and heroin it's yep. uh, never a good combo uh do we want to hear some things i'm like we should have done this on the last episode sometimes i almost always am able to find the rolling stone review from the time if it's an album from the period but I forgot to look up the Cheap Thrills one. Do we want to see how they tear it apart here? Yeah, yeah, I do. This is a guy named John Harden, uh, and he also is mean to it. So let's get in, boys. Are they ever nice to an album? I don't think so. They're no. only nice to an album if Yon Winner wants to be friends with the person. So That's true. They All were right. pretty nice about most Beatles albums. To, uh, every Beatles no, album. only John Lennon ones, because that's who Yon Winner wanted to be friends with, and he didn't give a shit about the other Beatles, so they were mean to all the other Beatles. They panned... They were so mean to all of Paul McCartney's solo records in the early That's 70s. That's true, yeah. Because he didn't care about being nice to him. But then, because he wanted, he was friends with John and Yoko, so they were always nice to John and Yoko. It was, it literally just came down to him who he wanted to well, hang out with. <laughs> see, I thought... It's wild how much of an I mean, asshole he is. But th- there was... what? What? Oh, fuck, what album was it? Are you thinking the Abbey Road thing? Where they the Abbey put Road the thing. nice review and the mean review right next to each other? Exactly, yeah. Is well, that it's because... Of John? Yeah, he didn't, he thought the mean, or 
I think it actually wasn't him. I feel like it was one of the other like public or editors at the time. Yeah. But what it was whoever the other editor was really liked it, but whoever they assigned the review to hated it, and the editor was annoyed that he's like, well, we can't. It's I think it's really good, so we can't just say it's shit. So I'm just gonna put my review in there next to the guy's review who I assigned to it, which again yeah. is such a shitty thing to do as an editor. Of like, I'm gonna give you this job, and then if you don't do it correctly, I'm just gonna put my what I did correctly right next to yours on and the page. And this is you speaking as a journalist. So yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, Early I'd, Rolling Stone, Rolling Stone, is Rolling Stone up until like 1989 was a trash fire of a publication. Well, that's because they were believe so coked so up the entirety of that time. Yes. No, I, yeah, and I don't even mean in terms of quality of stuff, like in terms of how they operated. It was, yeah, absolute garbage. Yeah. Well, and I, it's so funny that that became like the definitive voice of like music yeah. for a generation because they were all just such assholes. Like, they were all assholes. Like, almost, almost everybody involved only did it because they wanted to like meet the famous musicians that they were into. Yeah. There were like on you could count on one hand like the amount of people who were actually there for like journalistic integrity, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um well and especially the editors again like people would there's a good story again from a John Lennon interview of they would do kind of like the old Playboy interviews if you read older magazines they'll do this thing where they'll go do an interview and they tape record it and then they'll transcribe it word for word and it's like eight pages of a magazine like they will give you like a 40 minute interview just typed out completely well yeah and those are the only eight pages of playboy i read yeah exactly so they would do that a lot in rolling stone and it would be like their main interview with like we have john lennon or whoever this week so there was a john lennon interview that again they go assign some kid to go do it he goes and does the interview he comes back and then Actually, I feel like it might have been Paul Simon, too, because he was someone who Jan was good friends with, too. Someone who Jan was friends with. They literally, he transcribes the interview, turns it in, and then, like, a week later, the magazine comes out, and it's totally different. And he's like, hey, what the hell? Like, this is not what this person said. And they're like, oh, yeah, Jan sent it to him so that they could make edits. Like, Jan yeah. just sent the music, the artist the transcript and was like, just X out anything you don't want or, like, rewrite something if you want to say it differently. That's yeah, it. I mean, and Jan Winter wild. is not a not a good man, I don't no. think. He's no, a, not really in any way. Yeah. He was, he basically was just a guy who wanted to be famous or he wanted to be friends with famous people yeah. and saw this opening of, like, I can get into this scene, like this music scene in San Francisco and then it was just the entire time until basically probably when the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame started, like it was always just him clawing to be like, I need to be more friends with famous people or friends yeah. with more famous people. That was his entire goal the entire time. It wasn't yeah. even like being rich. It wasn't even having like power over anything. It was literally just, I want to be friends with all these famous people. <laughs> and have money and it's do wild. a lot of coke. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, his coke addiction, we have talked about this before. Uh, it's Everyone needs to go find the Jan Winter biography that came out in like 2016 or something. It's really, yeah. really good. His coke addiction literally lasted for almost 30 years. It was like from yeah. 1967 to like 1989, he was addicted to coke, which I which guess is that's 22 years. But, but that's so early two to decades. get on, like 60s yes, coke? Yes, it was early and Crazy. then he got off it way late too. Like yeah. he was still handing, he was still doing coke in the offices through the eighties, which is craziness. So he's a real anyway. piece of shit. So the first paragraph of the cheap thrills review. Well, it's a real disappointment. 
After all the hoopla the, the well, signing with Columbia. The well is so yes. mean there. Well, pretty yeah. disappointing. After all the hoopla of signing with Columbia using one of the best producers in the business and the well-spread reviews of dozens of limp-limbed and sweaty-brow reviewers who have seen Big Brother live in performance, one would expect slightly more than what we got. Wow. Yeah. What the record is not is well-produced. <laughs> True. Yeah. Uh, it's not Janis Joplin at her highest, and it's not better than... Oh, wow. It's not better than their debut record last year. That's crazy, because that's not true. <laughs> no, that's an insane take. They do say I it's think. a good representation of them. It's a fair approximation in that it's loud, exciting, and sloppy. Yeah. Um, so for people who are into that, it's adequate, but they're... yeah. <laughs> wow. Damn, adequate. That's a mean word to use in a review. Like yeah. an incredibly mean word. Yeah, that's... I mean, they're not wrong about some of it, but they're, they're no, a little too but, hard. Anyway. You know. I don't so, know. that's... uh, Yeah. So, the album... Holy shit. Yeah. So, when we return, we've heard, the, we've heard what Rolling Stone thinks. We'll go track by track through I Got Them Old Cosmic Blues Again Mama and see what we have to say. See you at the break, Pete. And welcome back to the 27 Club, where we are talking about 27 Club member Janis Joplin's debut solo record, I Got Them Old Cosmic Blues Again Mama! Exclamation point. Uh, One of, I gotta say, one of my favorite album titles just because of, so first of all, she's already spelling cosmic with a K. Right. And then they're doing dem with a D and ol with no D. Like they're they're going full like write it as you would say it kind of thing. And I I love it. Yeah. I think it's cool. It's much like that history book I had to buy that had a lot of um, interviews with um, former slaves in it, where it was. Yeah. And they just they transcribed the like. They did it phonetically. Kinda, yeah, yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah, yeah. The phonetical. Yeah. Yeah. That's a weird one. This is a conversation for another podcast, but it's always interesting when like authors do that in like fiction books where you're like, I yeah. can't tell. This really needs to be cut up, but it's like, is that racism? I don't know. Like, yeah. yes and no. You know, it's a weird line sometimes where when they do that. So yeah. Like, yeah. Anyway, so I got, we're just going to call it Cosmic Blues maybe from here on out. Yeah, I think that's probably a good call. So Um, Cosmic Blues, yeah, went to number five in the U.S. Um, So not quite as as high as Cheap Thrills, but still pretty darn good. Wait, did we know what Cheap Thrills charted as? Did I say? uh, We just said it went gold. Yes, it went to number one. Yeah. So not quite as high as Cheap Thrills. And uh, the one single off of this, Cosmic Blues, only went to number 41. So definitely not as good as Peace of My Heart. It did not break the top 40. Right. So let's uh, get into it. Track one, try, parentheses, just a little bit harder, end parentheses. Oh, what is this, the Rolling Stones? Woo, woo. So to my apparently uncultured ear, 
I immediately was like, fuck, this band's good. <laughs> yeah, they're on point. But once again, and maybe it's well, it's, what's the guitarist name? Um, Sam Andrew. Sam Andrews. The the backing vocals on this also to me sound like Jimi Hendrix. So maybe Love I it. just maybe he just sounds like Jimi Hendrix. Well, let me look up who's if they credit the backing vocals. So they have him credited. They have. I'm sure it's just him then. And then Snooky Flowers is credited with backing vocals. Are the two people? So okay. The guy's first name, the guy's given name is Cornelius Flowers, and he still needs a nickname like Snooky. That's Dude, three incredible names. <laughs> if if my name was Cornelius Flowers, right? I would, I think not really have to try in life. Dude, well, and here's the thing, you Cornelius. You got it set up for you. You go Connie Flowers, and you have the, and you're automatically the coolest saxophone player on earth. Yeah. Or the corn man. <laughs> but then, yeah. But then Snooky, wow. Cornflowers. That's yeah. a dope name. Yeah. Like, anyway, this song, she's killing it. Yes, she's really great. I like the backing instrumentation, at least on this yeah, song. Like, I think funky. it's tight and funky and groovy, and they're doing a good job of, like, kind of doing, I think, the studio, the soul studio sound, where it's like they're all very competent and together and tight, um, and just kind of providing her a really nice bass to go crazy. Yeah, basically, absolutely. and do her thing. And I think it sounds great. This song as a song is fine. There's nothing yeah, that super stands out to me. I think it's a pretty good first track, though. I agree. It's just a little... I don't know. Nothing ever sticks with me from this song, I guess I'll say. No, it's too... Maybe... Mm, it's too tight. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh... The only thing that really sticks with me is like the backing thing when they first start, like the chugging kind of backing drums and bass thing mm-hmm. is like a really nice beat, but me- melody wise, there's not a whole lot that I'm really into here, I guess, yeah. even though she, her voice is impressive. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, immediately to a slow song. What are they, the Rolling Stones? Yeah. Oh, fuck, they not know how to make albums back in the 60s? I'm not going to complain, though, because a slow R&B song is the pinnacle of music to me. So oh, I with could the not horns be happier. Too, yes. dude. Yeah. Well, and we've talked about horns a lot recently where I love her with a horn section, man. It is so good. I love anything a with a horn section. section. Yeah. And, like, Sam's guitar is really good. Oh, Yeah. This song fucking rules, dude. Yeah. So most of these are covers. We're going to get to it. One or two of the songs Janice wrote, and then a couple were written by, weirdly, Nick Gravenights, the guy who goes on to become the, a big a member of Big Brother. Oh, yeah. Um, and then the rest are covers from, from other, either, you know, they're old, like this is an older soul song. Um, so, yeah. Oh, this song is really fantastic. Yeah, it's really, really good. This was like immediately my favorite song, and might still be my favorite song. It's the album. it's the best one on the album. I am gonna call really it now. It's really fantastic. Which once again, the Stones did a lot. Like some of their second songs yeah. didn't really fit on the album, like in the way that they put them. But they were like the best song on the album. You know, this one being like this one doesn't have any like out and out 
I would say standout songs and it also doesn't have any like real rockers or anything like I think this album's okay to have a slow song up top it's just it's an album yeah. that feels more like a whole thing where like I don't I don't mind the order so much yeah I would agree with that like this but album this feels song. a little bit more like an evening with Janis Joplin and her band rather than like you know what I mean where it's like yeah. you can kind of sing whatever you want Dude, oh, God, that was good. Yeah. So good. There, there we go. She and then for the it. first time, we hear her head voice with no rap. Like, she actually yeah. is reaching those notes, and it's gorgeous and amazing. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm so impressed. Oh, yeah. also that... that like, yeah, with the, the horn line. Oh. I think, yeah, I... I mean, I, I would say that I took the Rolling Stone review at least as like a, huh, well, maybe I'll listen to it again, just, you know, with that in mind and see how I feel. Because I, before I was head over heels with this band. Yeah. I think they're fantastic. I really I think they're have very zero good. problems with the music on this, with the backing also, band. how is he going to say that shit about the saxophone player? It's so good. We'll get to the song he specifically has a problem with later, and we'll see okay. what we think. Yeah. Just a phenomenal song. A 10 out of 10 song, I would it say. It is. It's pretty perfect. It's a little like, and I mean, I usually love this sort of thing, so I don't know why it kind of bothers me. It's a little torch song, you know, a little bit just like, but I, I don't know. I love it. It's great. Okay. One good man. So this is Sam Andrews playing the slide guitar here, and it rules. Um, I I'm love very the slide impressed guitar. by him, and I like this organ. Whew. Oh, dude, he's getting that Dwayne Almond tone. I know, like, we got, like, a, you know, hot, we're at the, we're on the back porch of, like, a, a blues bar in Louisiana right now, and they are crushing this, I think. And your party people made it over to my house with their dogs. But it begins to fail after a while, and I start looking to find one good man. So again, it's just kind of a straight blues song, but this one is much more interesting to me than Turtle Blues. I think the yeah the vibe that it gives off with the organ and the bottleneck is just a yeah. nicer, a yeah. more groovy thing to me. And then the melody is just more interesting to me than Turtle Blues. I agree. Um, well, I think the addition of slide guitar on any blues song is good. So um, no, it's phenomenal. It's a yeah. good song. I will say their drummer is a little bit better in this band. Or not a little bit, sorry. Their drummer is significantly better in this band than the last one. Like, I don't yeah. think he was bad in the last one. There were some times he was yeah. killing it, but a lot of the time he was it was just kind of boring. Yeah, their drummer is really... I forget... We'll get to the song when we get to it. I forget exactly which one it is, but there's a moment where their drummer really, like, kind of blew my mind on this album. So we'll, we'll get there. I think pretty much everyone's great. And, like, Sam seems like he stepped it up. Like him yeah. doing the like soul guy guitar where it's like he's noodling around but it's kind of in the music instead of a solo. He's yeah. really good at that, I would say. It rules. Honestly, this, yeah, the guitar is amazing. Yeah. I get to as good as you've been to this world. So this is the one the Rolling Stone reviewer fucking hated because here's this baritone saxophone solo that he called worse than a guy messing around in a garage. I disagree. I don't. I mean, I don't. I'm not a music expert, but I'm like, I think it's good. I like it. 
I don't know what's going on. I think it rules, dude. It's better than fucking Mike Love playing the saxophone. <laughs> and the baritone thing is very fun. Like, it's a fun tone to have up top, too. It's good. Yeah, this is an interesting song because basically half the song is an instrumental intro. Yeah. Um, like, they do this, and then there's a tenor sax, and then a trumpet solo. They, they solo for a long time, or just groove for a long time. Which... I mean, to me, seems more like kind of a live album than their fake yeah. live album. Yeah, this does feel more, yeah. Yeah. Any band with live. horns in it, they do this in the middle of the set. Right, and, and Janice is just going to be like tambourining and dancing or yeah. some shit. Yeah, and know? then she'll like, go up yeah. to the mic at yeah, some yeah. point and be like, and hey, Mr. Whoever on the set, yeah, yeah, and then he exactly. just fucking rips, you know? Let me introduce the Cosmic Blues Band. Yeah. Yeah. Which, honestly... Such a cool move at a concert. Like just <laughs> just having one. one song where everybody solos and you introduce them. Yeah, I'm I'm like a sucker for that at a concert. Yeah. And then the trumpet solo. Which yeah, I like again. It's good. But I really, I mean. I really like instrumental really cool blues one. and jazz music. So That trumpet sound, I'm like, how the fuck yeah. do they ever do that? I don't understand how that works on a trumpet, but it's so good. It's nuts, man. Yeah. That's like half pressing valves down, you know? It's yeah. like pretty cool. We'll get to singing eventually. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Is, this, is it my turn for a solo? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> it's kind of interesting to do that as the intro, too, just because it feels like once she starts singing, it feels like you're coming back from a solo in the middle of a song. Yeah. But it, there was no beginning. There was no beginning where she yeah. sang. Yeah. It's very, it's a weird choice. It's cool, though. Like, I find myself to many of the songs on this album, like, at the very least, bobbing my head, which is, I think, a great sign, honestly. Yeah, it's fun, and it's cool. Like, in three albums, we've heard her voice in, like, it's all generally been kind of blues adjacent, but also, like, three pretty different contexts. Yeah, absolutely. Like, we have heard her as the singer of three very different bands, basically. Fully, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like this song. It's solid. I mean, the instrumental part's fun. I would say the rest of it is just solid. Like, her voice is good again, but it's yeah. not incredible melody-wise or anything. I just, I think I would just like it as, like, a blues song. You know? Yeah. We want to get to To Love Somebody. So this is a cover of a Bee Gees song off the Bee Gees' yeah. first album, which is wild. And it's also a fantastic Janis Joplin song. Truly. Yeah, 
You know the singer Tiny Tim? Yes. Famous for his, you know, very, very high falsetto. Mm-hmm. Um, he, the funniest thing he ever did was um, he covered um, Staying Alive by the Bee Gees, but did it yeah. really low. <laughs> and I was just thinking about how funny it is that she's probably singing lower than the Gibb yeah. Brothers. <laughs> Probably. So this one, I mean, it's a Bee Gees song, so it's got a great melody. The chorus yeah. is so good when we get to it. And the horns are so good! Beat that band we were talking about. Maybe we find a few horns to go in yeah, there, man. Right. I love when a chorus does that, where like it reaches the high point of the chorus and then has that little extra bit on yeah, the end. Dude. It's it's oh. so nice. This song is amazing. It is really great. Um, I do feel like this is the one with the drum part, so let's let's keep listening. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think it's after the the second chorus. So. Oh, I can see your face again. And this is like. I do think her voice is obviously amazing on the last two albums. This is the best it's ever sounded. I agree. Yeah, this like she's only getting better as she goes. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Well, because here, yeah, it does seem like I don't know whether it's just through repetition of singing or what, but she has found like some extra something extra in her voice where she can yeah. do like those high those high notes maybe without it's screaming just she can they, do yeah maybe yeah, they just did more than three takes you know maybe and then, yeah. Yeah. yeah that's true Almost is actually probably better than maybe if we're talking slow. So I don't know. It's it's up there. It's really good. I would say second to maybe, but I just love that part where they yeah. stop. And, you know, yeah. dude, I love horns, dude. They're great. They're really great. And then this guitar part's really good. Yeah. that organ in the back too it's swirling around back there yeah. yeah see this like this guitar is very lazy but not bad you know oh yeah like it sounds it confident just, yeah it fits than, perfectly yeah. Also, like all the sudden stops, kind of. Yeah. Like it's. The, I mean, yeah, it's a very R and B soul type song with all those just, those stops. Just really good. Man, I wish you'd have paid more attention in band class and gotten really good at the trumpet. Too busy looking at the trombone kid's porn. Right? Right. 
right here, the drummer is using a double bass. As like a... Yeah. Or at least he's playing the bass twice as fast. Or the bass drum twice as fast. You know, fucking like soul band in 1968. He breaks up the double bass for that one section. It's so awesome. That is cool. It kicks so much ass. That was that was a long time to wait for that one detail, but it was no, so but cool. We to gotta me. listen to a really amazing song in the meantime, so true. So here's Cosmic Blues. This is written by Janice with Gabriel Meckler, the producer guy. This is I'm gonna say the maybe only autobiographical song we've had written by Janice so far. And it's really good. Yeah. <laughs> Every part of this song is really, really good. I love the lyrics. I love that guitar. The guitar tone is really cool. It's mixed so well. Oh, and the piano. The piano's yeah. so good. Well, it's got that kind of same vibe as Summertime, where there's like this softer kind of melody, but she can really stretch stuff out and do some yeah. like nice little vocal run things. But yeah, it's I think a more satisfying listen just because there's more going on with the song. Yeah. Really? Janice Joplin gets really good when you cut out all of the like psychedelic bullshit. <laughs> like, when she's out, just man. doing straight up blues and R&B. Yeah. Perfect. Oh god. Fucking hell. So good. I like every time it jumps up to that section, it feels like it comes out of nowhere. Yeah. And then it's also just, I mean, listening to it now, knowing that she, it's, it's just like a pretty heartbreaking song too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. it's very much about her and very much about her just struggling as a human in general, which then just makes you so much more sad that it's like, God, she was, you know, pretty pretty high school level take, but she was a person yeah. like all of us where, you know, she had... I'm a sucker for that rhythm ever. Bam, bam, yeah. Bam, 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 bam. Like if if she hadn't put out the last two albums, and this was like her first album, I would still think it would make sense to be like, oh, she's like the greatest female rock voice of all time. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's also, like, the actual lyrics of this song, we can cut this out, because I feel like I'm getting a little over the top with how much I'm into this song, but it's also just very interesting. It reminds me a little bit <laughs> of Lauren Hill after she left the Fugees, writing songs about how, like, fuck those guys, basically. Yeah. Um, but the first chorus, or the first verse is, time keeps moving on, friends they turn away, I keep moving on, but I never found out why. I keep pushing so hard a dream. I keep trying to make it right through another lonely day. And it's like, fuck, she's not happy she had to leave them, but she felt like yeah. she had to, you know. It's yeah. it's really great. And just 
lamely, but it's like how emotionally she sings it. You know, yeah. it's just a very impactful song. I guess it's kind of like the Jimi Hendrix song, like Sandcastles, um, or Castles Made of Sand. Yeah. Where it's like when they're not very autobiographical, when they do share like a very personal song, it just means like that much more because you're like, oh, yeah, because they're, they're pretty like really private. opening up to me right yeah. now. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. So that's I think maybe why this song like is hitting me so hard. Whereas the Rolling Stones never share anything from their lives except that they saw Halloween or whatever last week and oh, it's another yeah. violent film. <laughs> yeah, but that song was hilarious. <laughs> so, um, on a side note, how fucking good is Lauren Hill, man? Oh yeah, the best. Yeah. I listened to that album last week. Little Girl Blue. Uh, so this is another like old cover this is from a rogers and hart musical from the 40s i want to say Ugh. let me double check uh no from 1935 again but gross yeah no, from this the broadway funny. musical jumbo <laughs> do you mean dumbo i mean jumbo let's see what jumbo is about because i would say this song is is fine it's not my fave but no yeah I mean, it's very good, but I would say it's the first kind of eh song on the album so far. Yeah, so. well, and it's, what, there's one song after this? So that's uh, a yeah. pretty good album so far. I mean, yeah, the first six are all bangers. Bangers, yeah. Uh, so Jumbo. It was about an elephant. Really? Wow. I almost nailed it. Let's see, it featured circus specialty acts. It tells the story of a financially strapped circus. At the end of each performance, um, the main star laid down on the stage and let a live elephant put its foot on his head. Huh. Yeah. The 5,000 seat theater it was in was turned into a circus tent where acrobats and animal acts performed during the show. Like I, over the audience, maybe? That'd be cool. Hmm. But wild that this song was in it. That is very interesting. Yeah. Okay, this is, by the way, this is the list of musicians who performed in a musical in 1935. They have uh, three violinists, three trumpet players, three trombonists, three alto saxophone players, and two tenor saxophone players, and one baritone saxophone player, a piano player, a banjo player, a bass player, a tuba player, and a drum player. What is this, Edward Sharp and Magnetic Zeros? Yeah. That's just, I, banjo mostly is hilarious. That is very funny. It's funny how prevalent banjo was before. Yeah. I mean, like, like, even into the 60s. It was like a concert instrument. Yeah. Too, you know, like, yeah, it was, yeah. It's so weird. All right. This song's okay. I, the strings kind of ruin this song for me. It makes it feel like someone at Columbia was like, nope, it's got to be more of like, uh, you know, I don't know. Radio a, song, which at the time I feel like, yeah, 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 would have been with a string. It, it, yeah, it feels like their canned strings added afterwards. And I'm, yeah, I'm sure and that's it's the what it only was. strings on the whole album. It just doesn't work. No, yeah, this is the low point. I think I kind of agree. And as a like the other two ballads were so good, and this one, no, the melody's yeah. just not there for me, and it just sounds a little bit like she's whining, just a little bit too much to me. It's not bad. It's just not. And that honestly might be the violins. Like, yeah, 
Yeah. I don't think it helps. If they had done just a slow, like, horn line in the back instead, it would have helped. Or been a lot better. I think anybody sounds kind of weepy in front of Island. Work me, Lord. Yesterday. The weepiest song ever written. Um, That's the one that's only... No, I'm thinking of Eleanor Rigby. Yeah. Yeah. Eleanor Rigby. Uh, So this was also a Nick Grave Knight's tune. Also not my favorite on the album. I agree. This was kind of the one song the Rolling Stone review called out as being great. And I, when I read the Rolling Stone review, yeah, I'd listened to the album a few times, but I was like, huh, I kind of don't remember Work Me Lord off the top of my head. Yeah. And then re-listened to the album a few more times, and I was like, eh. I think they just may have had really weird, bad taste in the 60s. I mean, it's it's good. I just do not think it's a high point on the album at all. No. Like, I think I'm still kind of let down after Little Girl Blue and then into this one. You're like, oh, all right. We're done with the great songs. (laughs) Yeah, it seems like a kind of continuation uh, in a way. And it's, I don't know. Well, and it's also, it's a little bit disappointing because I feel like it's what, I get what they're going for. Like, they're going for this kind of thing that, like, builds up and yeah gives her this space it's a longer song it's like seven minutes like they're giving her like some space for the song to build and build and like do this gospel-y thing i just don't feel like it actually gets there for me no yeah it's not like i feel like there are many soul songs that are like this but they do have like a payoff in the middle towards the end this one doesn't really have that for me yeah so so we can keep it we can keep it going I'll just keep in it case playing. something yeah. pops up. But PJ, what are your what are your thoughts on Janis Joplin's first solo record? I got them old cosmic blues again, Mama. Well, I think it's a bad name for now. Um, first off, um, I don't love the cover. Yeah, we didn't we talk didn't... about the cover. Yeah, it's very Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is apparently it's a almost... thing. Yeah. That record companies wanted a live, a blurry live photo of you in either orange or red or and yellow tint. Yeah, they put it in the same exact color as that Hendrix yeah. album. Yeah, it really is very um, similar. I agree, it's it's not good. I love the color, like the burnt orange is nice. But overall, not into the album cover. Um, yeah. The first six songs, holy shit. It's like a perfect album. Yeah, yeah. and then they throw these two on the end, like... If they had just done, I mean, EPs weren't really a thing at the time. No. Like, that, well, not that I can think of. I'm probably wrong, but. Um, well, and it's still, it's not even 40 minutes. So it's like, it would have been a yeah. really short album if they had just done six songs. They would have had to throw something else on there. Yeah, but damn, those first six songs, perfect. Yeah. Um, I agree. And like more than the last one, this would be an album I would actually put on almost you know yeah it's only the last two songs that aren't aren't great yeah so you just let it play. actually listen to keep the whole going thing. Yeah. yeah um yeah no really really impeccable um really i think the only redeeming member of the band was the guitarist anyway like that's the only thing i think <laughs> big ever pointed out we were like yeah. of big brother yeah we're like the guitar playing is pretty damn good and janice mm-hmm. sounds good and so then the fact that they that those two just teamed up with studio guys basically is like super cool the horns are fucking crazy on this album and i love it um yeah what do you think yeah 
I, I mean, I pretty much agree on all points. Like, yeah. I was really impressed. I, not to keep harping on this Rolling Stone review, but just it brings up a point I wanted to mention separately. I love the horns. In the review, they mention they're angry that it's mixed so that the horns are like almost equal with her voice in terms of the volume. Yeah. And I get what they're saying. Like the horns are pretty loud. But as someone who loves the horns, and I think they complement what's going on. Absolutely. So I'm happy yeah. that they're mixed so loud. Like, I yeah. actually kind of dig the mix on this. On no, this I album. think it's like I think mixed it's done really well. So much better. Well, in their first two albums, were just produced so shittily. Yeah. That they're this recorded is like badly. A, they were produced badly. Yeah. So this is a huge step such up. Such a breath of fresh air. Yeah. And yeah, like I, I was already saying on the first two records, like, damn, Janet, like I'm sad that i wasn't into her i'm like mad at myself for not yeah. giving her a shot earlier just based on like one youtube video of peace of my heart that i didn't like this album really cemented that it's like she is one of my favorite singers now like she is absolutely fantastic and up she's there great with, yeah. yeah my favorite people to listen to now um so i mean despite the the last couple not being that great so yeah. I'm very excited to get to the next record. I don't want to spoil anything. And it's not really a spoiler because it's just purely my guess. I think the next record is like very different than this even. Like I think it she is. gets more yeah. singer-songwritery, right? Maybe I'm wrong. For some of it, yeah. Yeah, so I'm like, I'm just, it's wild that in like four years and four albums, she is doing basically every genre under the sun. She's doing the Beck thing. Um, yeah, she is going to every corner of the world or corner of like the music world at the time. Yeah. To try out her voice and it's cool cuz you get to hear her do everything. So Yeah. Um but I think R&B really fits her. For sure. Yeah, I think so. She has a phenomenal voice for R&B. Um yeah. This part yeah. of Work Me Lord gets good. Yeah, towards like that the end. part she was just singing was like, like it gets solid. Yeah. It's just I think too long for me is what I'm gonna say with Work Me Lord. If they cut it down to like a four minute version, I think I could dig it. But yeah, yeah. So well, I would guess you like to rate this album. Yeah, I would give Cosmic Blues. God, I almost was gonna say seven, but it's definitely better. I, yeah, I'm gonna go eight. That's what I was gonna say. I think it's an eight out of ten. Like, yeah, undeniably. It's, yeah, if they had found two very good songs to round, you know, two more really good songs to round it out, it's like... Honestly, a studio, a better studio version of Peace of My Heart at the end of that, and yeah. then something else on there. Right, mm. right. Yeah, mm. like it, it, there's, yeah, there's a world in which this is a 10 out of 10, because those first yeah. six are just incredible. Yeah, um absolutely. So... I'm I'm blown away is all I can say. This album cemented me being blown away by Janis Joplin. Yeah. In a way that I was I was not ex I was expecting her to be better than I had given her credit for for sure, but right. not to this level. So yeah, She's I'm excited. I mean, I'm good. I'm obviously sad. Our next episode is <laughs> is our last one on her, but I'm hella excited for what Pearl brings us. Yeah. In terms of more Janis Joplin music, so I would agree. And I'm also intrigued because we have not had like a really an all out an out and out great Janis Joplin album yet like this one gets close but it's also it's got a couple bad songs and it's also all just in this one style and genre where I'm yeah. like I'm intrigued at the idea of Pearl being a little more eclectic and like you know yeah I'm just very excited to see see what we got so yeah I'd agree Pete um, Hell yeah. and I will see you on the other side of that heroin nap 
and I'll see you at the crossroads, PJ. See everybody next week. Maybe. A Beach Boys Boys production. You should get slippers. Well, I do. I have I have slippers, and then I have Crocs, and then like a pair of Birkenstock clogs, and those are my house shoes because they're all slip-on things. But the yeah. slippers are only inside the house. The Crocs are mostly inside the house, but they can go outside. The clogs are mostly outside, but can be house shoes. But, but then like my sneakers, I would never wear inside yeah. the house. I would always take them off and put on the house shoes. Oh, so you're like real OC. I'm a crazy, yes, I'm a crazy person. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> See, I need a pair of Crocs or something like how you use them where it's like, yeah. mostly inside but can go outside because that's how I use my slippers right now. Mm-hmm. And I would rather not go outside ever in right. my slippers. Um, yeah, honestly, like, Crocs I've, I've are gone to the, the store shoe my... for that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, maybe I'll have to get myself a pair of Crocs. You should, man. Shelby I... got me on the train, and I love them. Huh? Mm-hmm. How much are they?